The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We've been in a series called It Is Written. And we're going to pick up today where we left off last week. John chapter 8, Jesus said this. He says, if you, say this next word with me, hold. Okay, let's try it again. Hold. All right, what do you want? Two, three. Hold. If you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. Now, this is what I want to talk about today, is, is holding on to these teachings. You know, this has been a great series, and hopefully through the, over the last several weeks, you've really come to see the, the Word of God in a different way. You see the power in it. You see the life change in it. You, you see the importance of breathing it into your life. And then if you were here last week, you see how like we can believe in this book. We can count on this book. We can tell people about this book. It, it really is the Word of God. And this is great, but what's important now is we don't move past this. We don't drift. Because you know, it's, it's, it's great we get all excited about a series like this, but if we're not careful, here in just the next few weeks, we can drift away from this truth and we don't, if we don't hold on to it. So today I want to talk to you about how to hold on to God's word. Because look, hap- look at what it says will happen if you do. If you hold on to God's word, then you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now what it talks about uh, know there, that word know, isn't like know like here. It's actually know here. It's knowing in your heart. And that's where we want to get the word to. Not just head knowledge, not just you know, words on a page, but actually getting it to the place where it becomes hidden in our heart. Because once it, once it gets to that place, then we come to know the truth, and then the Bible says it sets us free. It sets us free. It changes our life. It helps us to walk in the freedom and the life that God has for us. So today we're going to look at how do we hold on to God's word. How do we become people who, who are doers of the word? Not just hearers of the word, but are actually living our life, basing our life, holding on to God's word, building our life on the foundation of God's word in our everyday life. How do we do that? And, and to look at this, I want to start by looking at the life of Jesus and a, and a story from Matthew chapter 4. Go ahead and flip over to Matthew chapter 4. And uh, this is a story that really points to this idea. In fact, this is where the title, It Is Written, comes from. It's from something that Jesus says in the wilderness to the enemy as he's being tempted. Now, let me kind of set the stage for you if you're, if you're new to the church or new to the things of God. Uh, this is right at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's 30 years old at the time. And he, is, uh, he has just been water baptized. He's just been Holy Spirit baptized. And now, right after that happens, God leads him out into the wilderness And it says here that he gets tempted. In fact, let's look at this together. Matthew chapter 4, starting verse 1. It says this, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterward, (laughs) he was hungry. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's like the most duh verse in all of history. 40 days, 40 nights. I, I don't know about you, I've been fasting 21 days but I've been eating. Like, I haven't been not, fat, not eating anything, not drinking anything. And I've been hungry a few times. Jesus hadn't had anything. He was, hungry. he was actually so hungry, he was actually starving to death at this point. It goes on to say this. Now, and I want you to notice, this is when the enemy comes at him. The enemy comes at us in our weakness. 
Now, when the tempter came to him, it's talking about the devil, he said, and here's the first temptation, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, say this with me, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of a temple. Here's a second temptation. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For, say this with me, it is written. Now this is interesting. The devil is now quoting scripture to Jesus. He says, it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now I just think that's fascinating to me that... that <laughs> But the devil is quoting scripture to Jesus, the son of God. Like, it just, I don't know, it's funny to me. But, but here's what I want you to see. I think sometimes we think that when the enemy's coming at us, you know, when he's really behind the temptations or the things that we're facing, like, it's, it's going to be really obvious. Like, he's going to come at you and he's going to tell you to, you know, kill somebody or something like that. But that's not how the devil rolls. Like, he's very sneaky. And as you can see here, he's even, he knows the word of God. Like, he's not dumb. He knows what the scripture says. And one of the things he'll do is he'll try to twist the word of God in such a way to, to get you to do the things he wants you to do. In fact, there's been terrible things that have happened all over the world that were, were, where people had taken scripture out of context, taken it out of the way God originally had it, and believed that what they were doing is right. The Nazi party is a great example of this. People who didn't understand, really comprehend what the Word of God was trying to say, took little bits and pieces of it, didn't look at it as a whole, and look at the theme of what God was trying to do in it. But this didn't work with Jesus. He says this in verse 7. Jesus said to him, It is written again. In other words, yeah, it says that, but here's what else it says. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 8, here's temptation number 3. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now, for him to do that, there had to be some kind of visual thing that took place here. This wasn't just, because no mountain you could see all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. He said, uh, let's see here. Exceedingly high in all their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And listen, that is a very real offer that he was giving him. Because in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, when they disobeyed God and they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that moment, they had authority in the world and they handed that authority over to the enemy. And he became the rightful owner of this world. And so Satan is coming to to Jesus in this moment and he's saying, hey, I'll, I'll give you all this authority. I'll give it all to you right now. Now, maybe you're sitting here going, well, why is that a temptation to Jesus? Like Jesus, we know the story. Jesus is... The son of God, he's going to go to the cross, he's going to die on the cross, he's going to win back authority. So how is, how is this a temptation? Well, here's how it's a temptation. He's offering it now. He's offering it his way instead of God's way. He's, he's offering him the opportunity to skip the cross and to do it his way. And again, this is one of the, the schemes of the enemy in our life. So often as he tries to get us, he, he uses godly things and twists them in such a way and makes us want to fast forward and do things a different way. Be it sex outside of marriage, be it whatever it is. He'll use these things to try to get us off course. And so he's offering Jesus something in his time. He's offering him it in the now. But Jesus says this to him, verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For say this with me one more time. It is written you shall worship the lord your god and him only shall you serve then the devil left him and behold angels came and ministered to him okay so 
If you're taking notes, write this down. This is kind of the big overall, big main point of the day, okay? Jesus was submitted and committed to the Word of God. What we see in this story is that Jesus was submitted and committed to the Word of God. The things that that Satan was offering Jesus in these temptations were well within his ability to do. The things that he's telling him to do, the things that he's offering him, they are well within the ability of, of what he can do. See, understand this. Jesus, when he came to this earth, he was both God and man. He was fully God and fully man. But there were parts of his divinity, parts of what made him God that he had laid down, that he had put on pause so that he could come here and he could be who it was God had called him to be. Let me, let me explain this to you a little bit more. Okay, so a divine being, a person who is divine, like Jesus was, like God is, is made up. They have three things that, that no one else can, can function with. And they are this. Uh, you got those up there, Casey? Here we go. He was omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. Omnipresent means he was everywhere present at the same time. Jesus could be everywhere at the same time. But when he came to this earth... He laid that down and he became like us, human beings who are confined to a body, who are confined to one location at one time. So he put that part of himself on pause. He laid that down. Here's the next one. He was omniscient. That means he was all-knowing. He knew everything. As, as God's son, as a divine being, he knew everything. And yet when he came to this earth, he laid all that down. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. You can't grow in wisdom if you know everything, Right? So he, he laid that part of himself down, and he had to learn through human knowledge, like, like me and you do, who he was, that he was a son of God. He learned that. He discovered that through his relationship with God and through studying the Word. And then he was omnipotent, meaning he was all-powerful. He had all the power in the world. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus is the one who created this world, and he created it with his words, and yet he laid all that down. You say, well, wait, Pastor Josh, wait a minute, though. Jesus had some power, right? I mean, I read the Bible, and I see Jesus healing people. I see Jesus walking on water. He raised people from the dead. Like, I didn't say he didn't have power. I said he wasn't operating in his divine power. See, when Jesus came to this earth, he lived like me and you do. He lived, how he was able to do the miracles he was able to do was by the will of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how he did what he did. That's the same way me and you operate, are supposed to operate and function in this world, too. By the will of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he could have done any of these things. He could have done something miraculous here. But here's the thing. Had he tapped into his divine nature at any moment here, he is no longer qualified to be the sacrifice for sin. He steps into his, his godliness and he's no longer a man, that he, like a perfect man like he was that could die on the cross for sin. And here's the other thing. Had he done those things, he steps outside of the will of God. Because that wasn't God's will for him. He sins and now he can't be the spotless lamb sacrificed on the cross for us. So because Jesus didn't do this, because he, he was submitted and committed to God's word, he could one day go to the cross and die on the cross for our sins without having any sin. See, here's the thing. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, right? So why do we die? Because, because sin enters into every one of us. But Jesus never sinned. He would have never died. So when he went to the cross and willingly laid down his life for us and died on a cross, those wages weren't owed to him. So he, did, he took on something he didn't deserve. And because he did, now we, through him, can receive something we don't deserve. Because he received a death that he didn't deserve at the cross, my friends, me and you can receive a life that we don't deserve through the cross, through Jesus Christ. That's good news. That's the gospel right there. 
So that, that's what Jesus came to do. But listen, the reason he was able to do that is because he was submitted and committed to his relationship with God and his relationship with the will of God and God's word. Let me show you this. Look at this. Uh, it says this in John chapter 6, verse 38. It says, For I have come, this is Jesus talking, he said, I have come down from heaven to do the will of him who sent me, not to do my own will. Listen, when Jesus was here on this earth, he wasn't just doing his thing. <laughs> He wasn't just doing his own thing. He was doing the will of God. He was doing what he knew God wanted him to do. Everything he did, every step he took, every healing, everything he performed, he was following God's will for his life. He was submitted and committed to the will of God. Now look at this with me. John 4, verse 34, a couple chapters before, Jesus says this about the will of God. He says, my food, if you've got a Bible, highlight that, circle that, write that down. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to accomplish his word. Now notice, Jesus likens the will of God to food. You know what else is often referred to as food in scripture? Scripture. <laughs> the Bible, over and over again, is referred to as food in the Bible. In fact, let me, let me give you a couple references here. In Matthew 4.4, 4, it's referred to as bread. In 1 Peter 2.2, 2, it's referred to as milk. It's referred to as meat in 1 Corinthians 3.1 and 2. Wheat in Psalms 81 verse 10. Honey in Psalms 119 verse 103. Jeremiah 15 verse 16 says this. Your words, talking about God's word, were found and I ate them. What do we eat? We eat food, right? He's likening to food. And, they, and your word became the joy and rejoicing of my heart. What, what I want you to see here is Jesus was about the will of God. He called the will of God food and food is often the word of God. So here, here's the big point. God's will is God's word. And God's word is God's will. If you want to know the will of God, you've got to get into the word of God. What we find in, in this Bible is the will of God for our life. The will of God for this world. The will of God, your purpose, everything is found in this book. The will of God is found in the word of God. And this is so important for you to understand because it's crazy to think that we're going to live the kind of life God's called us to live. Have the kind of influence he wants us to have. Be the light that he's called us to be if we're not submitted and committed like Jesus was to the will of God, to his word, and making it a foundation that we're building our life on. I'm telling you, you will never become the Christian God's called you to be if you don't buy into this. If you don't buy into this being the will of God and committing your life to living this way. You're never going to experience those things. In fact, just, let's, let's take this, just this example. Your prayer life is never going to be the way God wants it to be if you don't understand the word of God, if you're not submitted and committed. In fact, if you don't know the will of God, God's not going to hear your prayers. Let me show you this. I'll show you. 1 John 5.14 says this. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. How many of you would like to have confidence when you go to approach God? Not just hoping, man, I hope he hears this. I hope this is good enough. I hope my life is, you know, I hope that he wants this for me. It says this is the confidence that you can have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears, what does it say? He hears prayers prayed in accordance with his will. So what's the flip side of that? Prayers that aren't in agreement with his will, he isn't hearing those. Goes on to say this. And if we know that he hears us, and we know that he does if it's according to his will. Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked. Uh, let me say it this way. If you pray God's will, it's a yes. You know, I, I've, you've probably heard people talk about stuff like this before. They, they'll talk about God and they'll say, well, you know, sometimes God says yes. 
Sometimes God says, no, you just, you just never know. Thy will be done. They'll throw a thy in there because it sounds more holy. <laughs> thy will be done. I'll just, just whatever he wants to do. No, you don't have to live that way. You can know the will of God. It's his word. It's in his word. And listen to me. God doesn't say no to prayers according to his will. In fact, God doesn't say no to prayers at all. He may say wait, but he didn't say no. Let me show you this, okay? Look at this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says this, For all the promises of God in him are, everybody say this with me, yes, and in him, amen. You know what amen means? So be it. All the promises of God are yes, amen. It's not that God says no. It's that when you don't pray according to the promises, according to his will, he just doesn't hear it. But if you do pray according to his will, not only does he hear it, it's a yes every time. And you don't have to wonder about that. Like I said, he may say no. He may say, he may, not, not no. He may say wait. He may say not, not yet. You're not quite ready. That's coming, but not quite yet. But he's not saying no to you. He says yes to you if your prayers are according to his promises, according to his will. How do you know that? You get in his word. You know the will of God. You know the promises of God based on what the word of God has to say. That's why you got to know what the word of God has to say. Jesus understood how important this was. That's why he was submitted and committed to the word of God. He was submitted and committed to the will of God. Jesus understood this. Proverbs 3 verse 1 says, The words of God giveth life. Think about Jesus' life. What did he come to do? He came to give life. And to give it more abundantly. He, he, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. If he's going to do that... He's got to be connected to God. He's got to be functioning under the will of God, the purposes that are found in Scripture. So how do we do that? (laughs) Well, I want to show you today how we can hold on to the Word of God, how we can be like Jesus, submitted and committed to the Word of God, building our life on it, holding on to it, doing the Word of God. I want to give you five things this morning to help you do that, all right? Five things. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's the first one. Make God's Word the foundation of your life. Now, everything I'm going to give you, these five things are all things you have to do. This is being a doer of the word. You have to do this stuff. Meaning, meaning this, uh, everything else is built on it. You know, a foundation, a foundation is what a house is built on. It's what a structure is built on. And the quality of the structure, the quality of the home, is dependent on the quality of the foundation it's built on. And the same is true for you. The quality of your marriage, the quality of your relationships, the quality of your finances, the quality of, of your, your work life is all going to be contingent on the quality of the foundation you're building it on. Are you building it on the Word of God? Because if you're not, it's, it's not going to stand. In fact, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, in fact, I'd encourage you to read this this week. Jesus talks about these two different kinds of foundations you can build your life on. One is on a rock and one is on sand. And Jesus says this in Matthew 7, verse 24. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that means that they do them, they work them into their life, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Okay, so Jesus compares his words, building your life on the word of God, to building your life on a rock, a solid foundation. And then Jesus goes on to talk about how there's going to be storms that are going to come. There's going to be waves that, that beat against the house. And the house that's built on the rock can stand. I wish, I I said this in week one, but it really is true. I wish I could tell you today that you're not going to have any trouble in 2018, that you're not going to face stuff, but I can't tell you. In fact, I can guarantee you, you probably are. You're going to face stuff. 
But what I can help you with is that you build your life on a solid foundation so when the storms of life come, you can stand against it. But that foundation is the Word of God. It's the will of God. You've got to be submitted and committed to God's Word. You've got to make God's Word the foundation of your life. You're building everything on what the Word of God has to say. And that leads me to my second point, which this is where it gets kind of real, is that I've got to obey God's Word even if you don't like it. You've got to obey God's Word even if you don't like it. It comes back to being submitted and committed. You know, Jesus was so submitted and committed to the will of God that he went and died on the cross for our sins. He was submitted to death, you could say. Committed to the point of death. And we know in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed and he said to God, he said, is there any other way? And then what does he say? Yet not my will, but yours be done. He, he, it, he didn't like having to go to the cross. That's what that tells me. But he was submitted to God. And you know, there's going to be times in your life you're going to face stuff, you're going to come up against stuff that you find in the Word that maybe you don't really like. Maybe it goes against culture. Maybe it goes against what you, what you want to do. It's in those moments we really find out what we're made of. Is our life built on the foundation of God's Word or are we building it on our own foundation? Is it on my foundation? See, far too often I meet people and we begin to talk and I find people that they want God to bend His will to their will. Or I'll say it like this, uh, they don't want to adjust to the Bible, they want the Bible to adjust to them. And that's not a solid foundation, my friends. And Jesus said that there was two kinds of foundation. One is built on a rock and one is built on sand, right? Well, what is sand? Sand is tiny little rocks. It's tiny little rocks. And, and this is how some Christians today are living their life. Well, you know, I'm going I'm to kind of do my version of Christianity. You know, I'm going I'm to I'm pick and choose what, what I like. You know, I like that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. That part, I'm down with that. Going to heaven, cool, like that. Uh, I like that God wants to bless me. I see that in Scripture. I like that a lot. I'm down for that. I like that, uh, that I can be healed if I'm sick. That's, that's cool. I'm, I pick that one. But tithing? <laughs> God wants me to give 10% of my money to Him? No, that, that, uh, I'm, I know the Word says that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay that aside. I'm not really, I don't, I'm not feeling that one. Or... Well, you know, I, yeah, I'm living with my girlfriend, but we love each other. And, we, you know, we, we're having sex outside of marriage. And I know that that's, you know, the Bible says that that's wrong. You know, ancient people used to believe that was wrong. But, but we love each other. And, you know, someday we, we might get married. And, you know, so that's, doesn't that count for something? Yes, you're right, it does. It counts for something. It's sand. And it's not going to stand up. In fact, I encourage you, read Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23 this week. That'll wake you up a little bit. It talks about people who are living this way and they're going to stand before God one day and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. It'll wake you up. You can't just live any way you want to. God's will doesn't bend to yours. We adjust. I'm trying to help you. Turn to the person beside you and say, this is good. Whether you like it or not, you may not like it, but it's good. This is good stuff. We obey God's word, even if we don't like it. That's being submitted and committed. Jesus did it. Why are you better than Jesus? Okay. Here's number three. You guys love me. I know you do. If you want to hold on to God's word, 
You want me to be a doer of God's word? Here's number three. You gotta make it the first part of my daily life. I'm gonna make God's word the first part of my daily life. I'm, I'm committing to God's word in such a way. The Bible says in Matthew 6, that we're to seek first. Everybody say first. first. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. If you read that whole chapter in context, it's talking about worries and it's talking about the troubles of life and all these things that come against you. And here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, there's, there's all that stuff. There's worries, there's troubles. But here's the thing. If you'll just seek my kingdom first, if you'll seek what God says first, he'll take care of everything else. See, if you, if you begin to focus on God, what happens is he's able to focus more on you. He's able to plug into you and help you and walk with you and direct you and lead you. But that comes from seeking him first. The Bible says this in uh, Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Here's, here's what that's saying. God's word gives us direction. I don't know about you. I need direction. And you know when I need direction? At the beginning of my day. <laughs> That's when I need direction. God, where do I, what do I need to do today? Where am I going today? Where, where's this thing going? That's when I need the direction of God. So you need to get in the Word. You need to seek. First things are important to God. We see it all through Scripture. The first is important to God. You need to give God the first. Let me, let me, let me, in fact, if you're new to this, let me give you a real quick, easy way to do this. Give God the first 15 minutes of your day. And break it up like this, okay? Five minutes in worship, five minutes in prayer, five minutes in the Word. If you're just getting started in this walking with God thing or you don't have a real consistent quiet time, there's your formula. Five minutes in worship, five minutes in prayer, five minutes in the word. Five minutes in worship. Here's what you do. Jump on Spotify. Go to newsongpeople.com on Spotify. We got a quiet time playlist on there. We've got the weekend lineup of songs that we do. Find one of those songs and just sing that song to the Lord. Just take a moment and worship God in your quiet time. Lift your hands and sing a song to God. Then spend five minutes in prayer. Pray to God. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Ask things of God. Pray to him. Welcome him into your day. Thank him for the goodness he's given you. And then spend five minutes in the word. Five minutes in the word. That's all I'm asking. But five minutes, and here's the thing. Five minutes where I'm digging, I'm looking for something to keep with me the rest of the day. I'm looking for God to speak to me in that five minutes. I'm telling you, you do that. You start doing that every day. It'll revolutionize your life. Just 15 minutes with God right at the beginning of your day. It doesn't have to end there, but that's just start there. Just start there. And just see what God begins to do. Okay, here's, here's point number four. Point number four is this. Keep dipping. Now, if you have an issue with chewing tobacco, I'm not talking to you right now. <laughs> but keep, keep dipping. Here's what I mean by that. Do everything you can to help God's word grow deeper in your life. The Bible says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ live richly in you. You know, you're the one that gets to determine how much of God's word lives in your life. You, you determine that. You're, do, you're the one doing this stuff. You're the gatekeeper there. How much of God's word do you want in you? God wants you to have it in you in such a way that it, it lives richly in you. Now, I want to illustrate this. You got my little illustration? Okay. Give a hand to Miss Afton here. She brings up my illustration. Thank you. Yes. Okay, so I got with me a little cup of hot water. And I got a, a little bag of tea here, okay? So this bag of tea, this is the Word of God. This is how the Word of God is. And this hot water, this is you, all right? When I say keep dipping. Now, some people, uh, they're one dippers. They, they come to church once a week, and they have their little time with the Lord, and that's their time with the Lord. That's it. They come, they worship, they listen about a 40-minute message, which is about what we do here, and that's their time with God. That's kind of where it ends for them. Now, I don't know how well you can see this, but 
the, you know, it's changed color just a little bit there, but you can't say that this is tea. <laughs> like no transformation has taken po- place here. And yet what I find is a lot of times it's these people that are one dippers like this and that's all they're doing. That They really expect a lot of transformation to be taking place. And yet they're, they're not dipping. If you want to be, you want transformation to take place, you're going to have to dip. You're going to have to come to church. Yes, come to church and hang out and, 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 and spend time in God's word. And then you're going to go to worship night tonight. Amen. Going to be at worship night, hanging out at worship night tonight. And then you're going to, you're going to get in a small group. You're going to be around other believers, plugged in, connecting with other believers. And then uh, you're, going to, you're going to get on a serve team because you know the Word of God says that we're the body of Christ and we all deserve, we all have a place to, and a part to play in this body. And, and you're, going to, you're going to spend time in the Word at home and throughout the week. And look at what starts happening. You start to change. Transformation begins to take place in you. And you're not one, what you once were. And, and here's, the, here's the idea here is what you allow to influence you is going to have a big impact on your life. What, you'll start to take on the nature of, what, of whatever the thing is that you're allowing to influence you. So are you allowing God's word to influence you? You know, I can smell this now. There's an aroma coming off this. It's, this is attractive. This is full of flavor. This has been transformed. Why? Because it kept dipping. You need to keep dipping. You need to get dipping into the word of God. You need to dip. You need to connect. You need to get rooted and planted in the, into the church and into what God's doing here. Let me give you three ways you can dip, okay? Three things you can dip. I feel a dip coming on. Anybody else? Woo! Tag team back again. There we go. <laughs> Number one. Okay, a few of you just got that. Number one, get a translation you love. Get a translation of the Bible that you love. Okay, you want to take a dip? Here's a way you can take another dip. Get a translation of the Bible that you love. Now, the Bible is, there's a lot of different translations out there, right? And maybe you've gone, why is there so many translations of the Bible? What's this all about? Well, there are because the Bible wasn't written in English. (laughs) The, The Old Testament was written in the language of Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in the Greek language. And so they had to translate it into English so that we would have the Bibles that we now have. Now, in the process of this, the Greek and Hebrew languages have a ton of depth to them. Words mean way more than they do necessarily in English. And that's why a lot of times I'm up here preaching, I'll, I'll talk about how the Greek means this because I want you to get a greater understanding of it. Or the Hebrew, when it says it, says it like this because I want you to understand it. But there's, there's three different kinds of translations that have come uh, out of, of this kind of idea, okay? The first one is this formal equivalency. Formal equivalency. Now, formal equivalency means that the Bible has been translated word for word, these translations up here, these are translations that are word for word. That means they took the original Greek text and they tran- translated it word for word into the English language. Now, why are there different ones? Because different translators wanted to emphasize different things. It, it all flows together and thematically works, but sometimes they saw different things in those Greek and Hebrew words that they wanted to bring out. So that's why we have these different translations. The next one is functional equivalency. Now, functional equivalency is not taken word for word, it's taken thought for thought. So they would take a verse, they'd go back to the original Greek, they'd take a verse or a thought, and then they'd trans- translate that uh, based on the thought, not based on word for word, but based on the overall thought into what we could understand. And the last one is the paraphrase. This is the Living Bible and the Message Bible, a couple of different translations. On these, uh, they didn't even go back to the original Greek and Hebrew text, they just took the English versions and they translated them to come into more modern-day w- verbiage. Like the, the Living Bible, for example, the guy that wrote the Living Bible actually wanted to write a Bible that his kids could understand. So he wrote that for his kids. 
And the message, the same idea. They, he, the guy that wrote it just wanted it to become a, a Bible that a person off the street could understand. And so there's all these different translations. Now, I want to give you kind of an example of how these can, can vary with each other. Okay, throw that scripture up here. Okay, this is, this is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 in the King James Version. All right? It says this, charity suffereth long. Now, charity means love, and suffereth long means patient. Okay? Charity suffereth long. It is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. That's one of those words you kind of have to skip when you say it. Vaunteth. Is not, is not puffed up. I don't know where this stuff comes from. Okay, that's the King James. Here's the, this is NIV. Love is patient. This is probably what you've heard before. Love is kind. Uh, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And then here's the message translation. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. So you see, you see, the, I'm not, uh, yeah, I, Okay, so you see the, the difference. And what, what I found it interesting, uh, different people and kind of your, your upbringing will determine which one of these you like. Like I found a lot of people that grew up in church don't really like the message because it doesn't sound like what they've heard their whole life, New King James or NIV or whatever they may be. But people who are new to the things of God, it actually makes sense to them that never grew up in the Bible. So here's what I'm saying. Find a translation that speaks to you. Find one that works for you. I read them all. I, I study from all of them. I started New King James, and I, I love New Living. I love NIV. I, I love to read the message sometimes because I love the way it says things. I, I like them all. Find one that works for you. Here, here's the second dip you can do is get a study Bible. A study Bible is a Bible that has the verses in it, but then it also has commentaries and different notes and things like that that will help you to take it a little bit deeper. I'll give you four that I really like. One is the Life Application Study Bible. Uh, it has all the, the verses. Um, I believe it's New International Version typically. And then it has maps. It has commentaries. It has all sorts of stuff you can follow along. Another great one is the New Spirit-Filled Life Bible. This is a Bible by, that Jack Hayford and a team of Spirit-Filled uh, Evangelical pastors put together. It's a great Bible. Um, the Personalized Promise Bible. This is an awesome Bible. My, life, my wife loves this Bible. See, we talk about the promises of God, right? This Bible goes through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation and talks about all the different promises and points those out to you so you can pray according to the promises of God. Really great resource. And then here's a fourth one. I, I just got this one this week, the, J, the John Maxwell Leadership Bible. If you're a person that you own a business or you're in leadership of some kind, this Bible really emphasizes leadership aspects in Scripture. So it, it has all the verses there, but then it has these little nuggets of things you can do to help you as a leader. But find a Bible that you can really dig into, that you can sit down. I, I, I love having, and, and like I said at the beginning of this series, get a paper Bible. I really want to encourage you to do that. Get a real paper Bible that you can highlight in, that you can write notes in. Uh, last night I spent about an hour just reading. I'm, tr I'm taking one of my old Bibles that's falling apart and putting all my notes from that Bible into my new Bible this year. That's one of my goals. And, and I love reading all these old notes that I've written through the years and, and seeing what God has been speaking to me. It's, it's amazing. So get yourself a really good Bible. Here's the, here's the third thing. You want to keep dipping. Get in a small group. Get in a small group. Now, you may be going, what, what does that have to do with anything? Well, listen, for some of you, the Word of God is never going to get in you until you get yourself in an environment where you can, where you can begin to start talking to other people 
about what God is saying to you, about ask questions and, and really develop and grow. The Bible talks about how we need to be in relationships. You were created for community. You were created in the image of God, and the image of God is an image of community. And so God wants you to be in community. We want everyone at New Song Church to be in a group. That's why I'm wearing this shirt this morning. It's because it's where, what does it say, where you and I belong. You need to be in a group. You need to get connected. I'm telling you, this is where, as you get into the group, this is where God really begins to transform you and change you. And you learn how to connect with other people and relate to other people. And you can ask questions and be challenged and have to come up with answers for other people. It's a great way. And I don't know there's some of you in here, you're called to host a group this semester. God's calling you to step out and to help us host a group. Now, when I say host a group, I don't mean you got to know, you got to be the most theologically sound person in the world. We just want people who are willing to open up their home, serve a snack, can invite a few people to come into a group with them, and can just open up some notes and some stuff that we'll give you and get connected uh, and connect people with the Word of God. That's all you have to do. Anybody can do that, and that's what we've tried to do because we want everyone connected in a group. Turn to the person beside you and say, get in a group. Get in a group. Casey, can you throw up that community slide real quick? If you want to get in a group. Get in a group. You can text this number, 405-458-8586. Text groups to that, and we'll help you. After the service is over, uh, Courtney and some of our team will be in the lobby. Um, there's a big banner out there that says community on it. You can talk to them more about groups. Get in a group, okay? Get connected in a group. All right, here's my fifth point, last point. If you want to hold on to God's word, get really connected to God's word, get it down in your heart, you know, number five, Make God's word a weapon for the challenges of life. Ephesians 6 talks about how we are up against an enemy and that we need to put on the whole armor of God so that we're going to be able to stand against this enemy. The enemy of our life is not your boss. It's not your spouse. <laughs> it's, it's, there's an enemy that really does exist out there that's working on a spiritual level, and you need spiritual armor. And then in verse 17, it talks about the weapon that we've been given. It says this, It says the weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is a weapon. Remember when Jesus was was being tempted, what did he use to fight off Satan? It is written, and then he would quote Scripture. Jesus understood that 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 the Bible, the Word of God, is a weapon that we need to know how to use if we're going to defend ourselves and fight back the attacks of the enemy. And my encouragement to you would be, would be this, scripture memorization. Scripture memorization. You need to get the word in here, right? Where you can pull it out. See, Jesus wasn't out there in the wilderness and when Satan came to him with a temptation, he wasn't going, okay, hold on, I'm going to get you, let me just find it. It's not that scroll, is it this scroll? No, it's not that one. No. He wasn't rolling through scrolls. No, he, he was quoting scripture because he knew it. It was in his heart. He had learned it. He had memorized it. He had studied it. It was here so he could pull it out. And the last thing you want to be doing in those moments, those tough moments that will face you this year is going, okay, what is that? There's got to be something in here. There's got to be a verse that I can, what do I, what do I do? No, you need to have it in here. You need to be memorizing scripture, getting it down deep inside of you so that it can come out of you, so you can be speaking it against the problems and, the, and against the enemy of your life. If you're facing sickness, and listen, there's a lot of that going on right now, right? Flu and strep throat, and it's been going on like crazy. You need to know what the Word of God says. Yes, go to the doctor. Get medicine. I'm not telling you not to do that. But also take the medicine of the Word of God. 
and, and get it inside of you. Know what the Word of God has to say. The Bible talks about, about how one of the benefits, it says, Bless the Lord on my soul and forget not all His benefits who heals all my diseases. You need to know that. Jesus took stripes on His back so that you can be healed. You need to know this so you can quote it, so you can speak it, so you can begin to stand on it. Memorize those verses. You're dealing with fear. Fear grips you from time to time in your life. Things come against you and it just, it's like you're frozen by fear. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but the power of love and sound mind. That's what the Bible says. Perfect love casts out fear. God's your perfect love. If I just get connected more to you, then that, your, your perfect love is going to drive that fear away. God will reveal these things to you. You're dealing with your past. Maybe you've got a bad past and it keeps coming up. Things that were done to you. Things that maybe you did that you regret, that you look back on and you go, oh, why did I do that? What was wrong with me? The Bible says that if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is the word of God. You've got to get in it. You've got to get it in you. And when you get it in here, what, is, what happens? You know the truth, and the truth sets you free. I'll close with this. Psalms 119. This is the longest chapter in the Bible. And in fact, I'd encourage you this week, if you have time, take some time to read this whole chapter. It'll probably take you an entire quiet time, but read this whole chapter and go through it with a highlighter and just get ready because you're going to find some stuff. It says this in verse 9. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? How can we, how can we do things the way God wants us to do them? By living according to your word, living it, doing it. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word. What are we talking about today? Holding on to God's word, putting it in your heart. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. What does that say? That says I'm, I'm speaking it. I'm saying it. I'm, I'm recounting it. I'm speaking it out loud. I rejoice in following your statutes. I rejoice in doing what your word says. As one rejoices in great riches, I meditate on your precepts. I'm, I'm thinking about your word, and I consider your ways. As I have decisions in front of me, I'm considering what, what is it you would have me do, Lord. I delight in your decrees. Say this with me. I will not neglect your word. Church, let's not neglect God's word. The series is over. It is written, ends today. But the, what we've learned in the series does not end today, Right? We got to hold on to this. We got to keep, we need to be like Jesus, submitted and committed to the word, whether we like it or not, whether it goes with what the world says, we're going to use it as a weapon against the enemy. We're going to be, we're going to, we're going to be strong in it. We're going to allow God to speak and minister to us through it. It's going to be the will of God. We're going to see it as that. We're going to follow it. And listen, when we do that, we become transformed. We're changed. We become something completely different. That's what God has for you is found in his word. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? Just take a moment, wherever you are in the service, and just let God speak to you. What is it he's saying to you today? What do you feel like, what are you thinking about right now? Lord, we thank you for your amazing word. And we choose today, Lord, to hold on to your word like we never have before. We choose to be submitted and committed to your word. Help us, Lord, to work it into our everyday life, to be doers of your word, not just hearers, but be doers of it. Thank you, Lord. Help us to use your, your word as a weapon. 
against our enemy, and we thank you. God, we thank you for arming us with your word. Thank you, Lord. We're grateful for it. With every head bowed, every eye still closed in here, if you're here this morning and you, you don't know God like you know you should, and maybe you feel like you, you, there's, a, there's a conviction within you this morning, you feel like God's kind of tugging at your heart, kind of pulling at you, saying, hey, I, I, I love you. I want you. Uh, and maybe you've never really made that choice to really submit your life over to God. You've kind of done things your way, but you feel like today, today's the day for you, to go, for you to go all in. Well, I just want to close our service today by praying for you, taking a moment to pray for you and giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to really commit to him like never before. The Bible says that um, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe that he was raised from the dead, that you become saved, that you can, you can make Jesus the Lord of your life. But you've got to confess him as Lord. That means that he's the boss. But it's a, great, it's a great decision because when you make him the boss of your life, it's the best life you could ever ask for because he's got great plans for you, great things he wants to do. So that's you today, and you'd like to pray, and you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'd love to pray with you. In fact, we're all going to pray this prayer together, every one of us in here. And if this is you today, you're praying this prayer for the first time, I just want you to just say, pray this prayer out loud, and I want you to mean it as we pray. Say, Dear Jesus, I need you in my life. I've sinned, and I come to you right now asking for forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe you are the Son of God and that you rose from the dead. I open my heart to you. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I give you control of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye still closed. If that was you, if you just prayed that prayer, uh, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to just let me, let me see this morning. The Bible says, Jesus said this. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. So if you prayed that prayer this morning and you really meant it and you're recommitting or committing your life to Jesus, no one's looking around. I want you to just raise up your hand just for me to see real quick. If that's you, go ahead and put it up and put it right down. Awesome. I see that hand. So cool. Very cool. All right. Well, I'm going to invite our altar ministry team to come forward at this time. And if you have any need of prayer this morning, we would love to pray for you. We'd love to join our faith with yours for whatever it is you may be, you may be needing in your life. So these guys are going to be up here this morning. Uh, and if you have a need, don't, don't leave with a burden. Don't leave with anything. Let, come and let us join our faith with yours for whatever it is you're believing for. And if you were uh, one of the people that raised your hands and said, I made Jesus Lord of my, my life, I want you to just make a point to come up this morning and let these guys know. We actually have a gift for you that we'd like to put in your hand that's going to help you to walk out this walk of, of faith that you have with God. Uh, it really great, some really great resources. Don't leave without that stuff. Make sure you come up and get that. Would you stand with me? We're going to go back into a worship song here. This isn't a time to pack up your stuff and kind of disconnect. In fact, I'd encourage you right now as a time to connect. We've heard the word, and now we get to worship God and thank him for it. Thank him that he's given us this amazing weapon of his word. Thank him, thank him that we're armed with his word and that we can use it. So if that's you and, and, and you don't need prayer, you can just take a moment here. Let's just worship God and thank him for his amazing word. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much, Jesus for showing us your will through your word. We thank you, Lord, that we serve a God who, who makes it possible that we can have confidence in our prayers. If we know your word, we know your will. Lord, I thank you that you draw all men to you this morning and that anyone in here who has a need would be drawn to your altars. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, 
go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.